Christmas season is about more than music. And on this special Christmas episode, Chris and I are happy to press pause and be thankful for the meaning of the season and the ability to spend time with our friends and family. For many, this is the happiest time of the year. But for others, it's a sad time. And Chris and I are here to hopefully provide a little levity and a break from whatever chaos you are currently experiencing. I've been on the record many, many times about hating Christmas music. In fact, I've struggled to find 10 tracks I liked for our secular music episode. This week is the opposite problem, though, folks. Cutting it down to just 10 was nearly impossible for me, because this week, Chris and I are covering the absolute worst Christmas music, today on Two Dudes and Tunes. You're listening to Two Dudes in Tunes, where the presents are safely nestled under the tree. Coco is piping hot in our mugs. I'm one of your hosts, Wood Johnson, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Chris Robinson. Chris, how's it going in the tippy top of Texas? It is going great, man. Um, uh, I am sipping not hot cocoa tonight, but uh, coffee, because um, we are just in the throes of the busyness of the Christmas season. Um, and by we, I mean mainly my wife. Because right now she is wrapping presents. Uh, today, after I got home from work, we ran out and got some last-minute shopping done. Uh, and my wife spent all last night making oyster crackers. You ever have, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, oyster crackers with the ranch seasoning and the dill and stuff? Um but it, we usually make those for my cousins uh, because I have three. Uh, well, I have four cousins, but three of them are uh, big strapping young lads. Think um, like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, but with like, they're actually good people. They just, they all have hollow legs. And so we get them oyster crackers as our kind of like Christmas, like snack tradition thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Turns out there are no more oyster crackers available in the city of Lubbock, Texas. We went to two or three different stores looking for some because uh, my wife felt that we were like one serving shy. Uh, And so between the hunt for oyster crackers and Christmas presents and getting all that stuff done, I needed a little bit of pick me up while we do this episode. Uh, Thus the coffee. Um, but man, it, it's been great. I've been really, I've been really happy that Christmas has been more regular than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the family is vaccinated, so we can get together on Christmas Eve and stuff Mexican food down our faces, as is our our annual tradition. And Please then, tell me uh, there's tamales. Oh yeah, are you kidding oh, me? Thank you. It's not. It's not. It's not a family Mexican food dinner unless there's copious amounts of tamales. Um, so we've got tamales, refried beans, quesadillas, guacamole, chips. I, I'm going, whenever we record after the holidays, I'm going to sound like Jabba the Hutt because I will have spent a good three days, a good 36 hours just cramming food down my face. So it's the best though. That's the best man. And with family to boot, like I could just sit at home and eat by myself. Uh, but it wouldn't have nearly the meaning that it does when you do it with family. So 
I'm I'm doing well. How about you? How are how are things on the holiday front for the uh, the Johnson family household? Well, if you're Job of the Hut, then I'm Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. Oh no! Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh uh, no! <laughs> Uh, no, man, it's good. Uh, I've been on vacation since uh, the middle of last week, which has been really nice to not have to wake up in the morning and do anything in particular, just kind of following Maverick's schedule. Um, I will be finishing up my Christmas shopping tomorrow, so nothing like putting it off to the last minute. This is December 22nd, after all, uh, that we're <laughs> recording this. So That's the way to do it. Yay me. Um, <laughs> And then the last few days have just been kind of really action packed um, for me. Uh, I worked with my brother. Uh, he needed to do a lot of maintenance and repair work on his uh, personal vehicle. So we put struts and brake rotors and brake pads uh, on all four corners of his car. And then in the course of events, uh, a brake caliper ended up getting broken. So we had to replace that and bleed his brakes as well. And then on Sunday, one of my very best uh, family friends uh, who we've mentioned on the show, their youngest daughter uh, got married and kind of uh, early on in the process back early last year when they got engaged, uh, their daughter asked me to serve as their wedding photographer. And so all year I've kind of been getting nervouser and nervouser as the date has gotten closer (laughs) because I used to do wedding photography for a living, but it's been probably about 10 years since I've shot anything at a wedding and it's been a solid three years since I've shot anything commercially. And so I, I was really nervous and I started practicing a couple of weeks ago and getting back into the mindset and looking for the angles and doing all that. Uh, and so really got lucky, honestly. And some of the shots are just fabulous. I think they're some of the best pictures I've ever taken. And oh, uh, so seeing that is like, oh, I haven't lost it yet. Like we can still do this. Uh, I still got it. I still got it. Yeah. But uh, it was really nice too. It was, it was a really good time of reunion. Um, other than them coming to Maverick's baby shower uh, a year and a half ago, I really haven't seen them since our wedding when they were my wedding photographer. So oh, that's funny. It was really kind of cool to be like, Hey, like this is awesome. Uh, so that's kind of the big stuff. Uh, my little sister Zoe is in town from West Point. And so she and I hung out today and did some Christmas shopping and worked on building her Christmas present. Cause, uh, anytime I get her something, there's some assembly required. So we have to spend time together and <laughs> do something together. Yeah, so yeah. got that's that great. done today and I will wrap it up and give it to her on Christmas day. She's not allowed to have it or use it until then. Ah. And, uh, but that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, um, I think it's time that we get real. You, you ready to get into this? Let's get real. This is, this is heavy stuff. Uh, this, week. this is, this is stuff that I have been thinking about since August when we started listening to Christmas music for this show. <laughs> uh, at least it feels like it's been that long. Grinding I, the metaphorical blades on the oh, whetstone. Just yeah. like, all right. Oh yeah. Let's do this. Um, I did want to talk to you a little bit. Um, we've done little thought games, uh, during this holiday season and the thought game that kind of came to my mind is what makes a bad Christmas song? I mean, we've talked about what makes bad music in general and, yeah, yeah. and when you look at bad Christmas songs, 
The thing that's infuriating about them to me is technically they're well executed and on just on paper, they're a good song, but it's just a bad song. So tell me what kind of your opinion is on that. So I, for me, I found the common thread with all of the Christmas tunes that I don't like uh, is that, it's hard to describe some of the intangibles that make a song bad, but there's, there's something about catchiness that can cut either way. Mm -hmm. There are some songs that are a joy to have stuck in your head. And then there are some songs that, that just, they, they get in your head and they stay there and make you crazy. They're like that Uh, uncle that overstays his welcome. Yeah, the the guy that at the dinner table at Thanksgiving and Christmas that always has to bring up politics, like it it's like I don't I don't know, but like the so the did you just say Christmas music is the politics of the music genre? Yeah, Christmas is bad. Christmas songs are to Christmas what bad family members are to family get-togethers. They take a great thing that we all love and turn it into just a quagmire that feels impossible to get out of. Um, but the, the metaphor I, I keep coming back to in my head as I was like typing up show notes is like, would this extract state secrets from somebody <laughs> at Guantanamo? Like if subjected to this song, for more than the runtime of the song once would I crack and confess to things that I've never done. If that's the case, then yeah, it's, it's a bad song, but some about it. I, another word that comes to mind is like cloying, mm-hmm. you know, like a, like the kind of perfume that maybe an aunt or a grandma would wear that um, fills a room and kind of, chokes your sinuses really stings uh, the nostrils quite pungent yeah. yeah or like like if you've ever had something that's too sweet like i have a sweet tooth so i have a hard time imagining this but you know if you've had like uh you know like the thing i think is like those little juice like juice concentrate packs you can get mm-hmm. um uh, there was once where I was at like at a party or something uh, like a barbecue and had one of those and squirted way too much of it in. Cause I didn't know that it was a concentrate thing. <laughs> and so before anybody could stop me, I had like, like squirted, like probably like a tablespoon of this, like <laughs> juice concentrate three into this cup of water. Is what you needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The three drops is what I needed, but three seconds of just like, a really long pour is what I gave it. And so there's something about Christmas music that gets like kind of too sickly, sweet, happy, go lucky, cheerleadery type of energy. Uh, I also think of like kind of like the frantic people that feel like they have to be happy and make everything perfect at Christmas. Mm -hmm. If you bring that kind of energy to a Christmas song, it's going to turn out real bad. Yeah. Uh, and so I have several of those on my list, but I've kind of prattled on about that. Do you, do you have any more thoughts on what makes a bad Christmas song really bad? 
I just, we've talked about it before. I think it's just the hallmark effect. It's, it's catering to an audience that wants to be pandered to in a lot of cases. Yeah. And they yeah. want to know the ending before the movies even started. You know, you get the directed by title card at the beginning and they know mm-hmm. that the girl is going to end up with the guy after a lot of fighting yeah. and Christmas is going to be saved and uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. And there's no suspense there. And I feel like that's the problem with most bad Christmas music. And in general, most bad art, you know, it just doesn't challenge you in any way or doesn't cause you to question what's going on around you or your beliefs or whatever the topic of the song is. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, Yeah. I got to say our lists at first looked very, very similar. We, for methodology, dear audience, we go and lock ourselves into dark rooms and work on our own lists independently of each other. And then we bring it to our show notes document and start comparing and contrast. And we don't want too much overlap. We've had a couple here recently on things that we liked where the overlap was kind of inescapable because of the personal memories that were tied with the things we actually liked. Uh, So it was actually a lot harder when we came back and looked at these lists and uh, Chris's list was in first and I popped my list in second and started reading through his list and was like, oh, I've got to take that off. I've got to take that off. And so I was forced to kind of go a little bit deeper at the well, uh, going back for seconds, if you will. But uh, it was really easy to do. Like, I'm so happy we get to have this Grinch moment. So if you're ready, let's yeah. talk about no good rotten Christmas songs. Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right, Chris, I can feel my little Grinch heart getting smaller by the second. We're getting into this right now. Uh, Both of us have prepared 10 tracks. We're going to kind of do the lightning round through the top five again, and then we'll spend more time talking about uh, one through five as we go. Uh, For number 10, I think you need to go first. Tell me what you got. Hit me with your best shot. Okay, so I I changed mine up, my list up several times today. because I really wanted stinkers on here. And one that my wife brought up to me on our drive home tonight before recording that I like changed on my phone in the grocery store is my number 10 slot. Uh, Christmas wrapping. That's the name of the song by the waitresses. Um, and it's a song that Megan and I heard we, a couple of years ago, we were driving around doing Christmas errands and heard this weird, weird melody uh, and like stopped and listened to it and then promptly forgot about it because it's terrible. And then she brought it up because we were talking about the podcast. It's got this really strange melody that kind of has the rhythm of like a car engine misfiring. Like there's no real rhyme or reason to it. The delivery of the vocals is really deadpan. Like the, whoever the singer is for the waitresses is she sounds bored to tears to be in the vocal booth. Um, and then there's this like awful, awful, like screeching saxophone line. It sounds like enraged geese to me. <laughs> um, and it's the whole song has this kind of weird, new wave eighties energy. It's just, in my opinion, it's a terrible track. And it's, I think the lyrics are some of those like, boy, Christmas is stressful and we're busy. it's like, yeah, it's stressful because you're making terrible music about it. Like 
That's why you're unhappy is because the song is so bad. But anyway, that is my number 10. What is your number 10? I do want to say, you know, your life is what you make it. And if you're stressed out and unhappy, you write music like Christmas rapping. So... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's make, what make goes better in. choices. Okay. Out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, all right. Man. My number 10, and I just have to bag on it a little bit because it's played every year at Christmas time, but it's not a Christmas song. And that's Adam Sandler's the Hanukkah song. Uh, it's a fun tune. I enjoy it. I put it way down low on the list because it is fun, but it's objectively just terrible. Uh, the rhyming scheme for the joke is you know, iambic pentameter, which we all learned in high school. Uh, but then when he runs out of things to rhyme, it's just everything ends with Annika. So turn the volume Annika up, like stuff like that, so that it, everything rhymes with Hanukkah. Uh, so it's fun, but it's dumb. So it's doesn't he, I could have sworn maybe he makes jokes about friends but i don't oh, i think no, no i he what makes it is, jokes is, about celebrities who are also jewish so when you feel alone and left yeah, out there are other people who wear yarmulkes like me and you and then yeah, he just lists yeah. out names of people who also spin the dreidel and stuff like that uh, yeah it's it, it, it's, it's witty it's fun but it's terrible so. yeah it's 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 the best kind of bad. It's real good. And that I think you can just describe Adam Sandler's career in general as the best kind of bad. Like that's it's just a train wreck you want to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about your number nine, man. Okay. I'm a little bit worried about being outed as a Grinch for my number nine. It's Frosty the Snowman. Uh, by Jimmy Durante. And I, I like Jimmy Durante's voice, but I've never liked this song. Uh, and this is one of those that I just might be in the minority about. Uh, but the Jimmy Durante recording specifically has some of that really awful, like spoken word kind of shtick that was really popular back in the day where there's like a little kid presumably sitting in uncle Jimmy's lap, asking him about the story of uh, Frosty, the snowman. And it's, I don't know. It's more of that like cloying, sweet sappy kind of like garbage <laughs> that seems to pervade the worst parts of Christmas. The problem I have with this song, and I'm glad it made a list uh, for us. Um, the problem I just, I struggle with it on is it's an old song that just sounds really old and out of touch. So it may yeah. have been okay, you know, in the fifties or sixties, whenever Durante recorded it. I, I'm not specifically sure on that, but yeah, just the recording quality is terrible. The the euphemisms they use, the the words just don't work. And to your point, the melody is just. Eh. It, it, it would have been great for like a 60 second car commercial in the period. Yeah, it, well, and that's the thing you brought up, like the commercial aspect of it. It kind of reeks of that, like some sponsored by coca-cola yeah some mad men suited up jackweed in an office was like you know what we've got this animated movie that we need to push to all the tv networks and we need the kids to watch it and so they drummed this up kind of kind of like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer but not nearly as endearing because i actually kind of like that song yeah 
Uh, so for my number nine, this is going to be a little bit off the beaten path, but anybody who grew up listening to like redneck country music, uh, knows who Cletus T. Judd is. He's a parody writer. And, uh, one of his songs that came out when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old and left a huge impact on me is Merry Christmas from the whole fam Damley. And it's... (laughs) It's basically, it starts with, you know, some nasally rednecky guy saying, "'Twas the fight before Christmas." And it goes in to talk about how on Christmas Eve, their whole family basically just beats the ever-loving junk out of each other. And Grandpa gets carted off by the cops, and the whole family is unified watching the police carry him off as he tells them that it's a Merry Christmas one and all, and come bail me out on Monday or whatever the the deal was like so it's just no it's everything that's wrong with like commercial christmas music and then it's just turn the redneck up to 12 uh and it's one of those earworms like we were talking about earlier like the chorus is really catchy the music is well recorded and composed and so you just end up sitting there just going with it and then you realize what you're listening to it's like oh man like move on yeah, five hours later <laughs> it's still in your head exactly yeah, that, the, i i had never heard that and so i took the time to listen to it before we sat down to record this and it it's it reminds me of morning drive time dj humor yes it's like rebottom bottom of the barrel trashy <laughs> like but the thing that's galling is you just know that somebody is like cackling away. Oh yeah. Cause their it's their Christmas. They it. know it. Yeah. That's how well, every year goes for them or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to be said for relatability, I guess. <laughs> Not a whole lot, but there's something. It. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Uh, all right. Let's talk number eight. What do you got for number eight? Okay, in kind of uh, keeping with my last pick, this is more sort of like old school schmaltz. The song We Need a Little Christmas by Johnny Mathis. Um, And I kind of mentioned that like rigor mortis sort of like forced happiness that you see on the faces of like housewives and bad movies and TV Mm -hmm. shows. That's like everything the song represents to me. Uh, it sounds kind of like a Rogers and Hammerstein cast off, <laughs> you know, it's got that like oompa bass line and like show strings tunes. and a, yeah, it's, but see, I like good show tunes. Um, much like all things Christmas, there's good versions and there's bad versions. And uh, to top it all off, Johnny Mathis sounds so smarmy. Yeah, uh, this version of it. It's that that Andy Williams, Johnny Mathis kind of lounge lizard energy that just really turns me off. See, and that's funny because I disagree with you. I like Andy Williams smarmy like attitude and sound. See, he does. He's mind so much that. more charismatic than Mathis is. And that's yeah. what it comes down to. Like Mathis is the cheap impersonator, the B squad, JV. Yeah. And see, I don't, I don't mind either of them. It's just this song. When you start using that, applying that style to a bad song, it starts to get really grating to me. It's really just like lounge lizardy. Yeah. What about you? What's your number eight? So my number eight is a duplicate for both of us just because it's that bad of a song, no matter who records it. 
Yes. Uh, I'm picking the Jackson 5 version, which is I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You've got them a little higher on your list. Uh, we can yeah, kind of combine we and might talk as about well, them. Yeah. We might as well just talk about it because that's my number seven. This song is bad no matter who records it. And the thing that's just shocking to me is how good of a voice Michael Jackson had at whatever he age he was when he recorded this with oh, the rest man. of the Jackson it's, Five. It is not fair. But how the good song he is. is so bad. Like no talent can make up for how bad the song is. Um in general. Uh what version did you pick? Uh so I picked a version by uh the Ronettes. And they had, I'm looking it up real quick. They had a specific Christmas album that um, was kind of the source of a lot of those um, R&B sort of Christmas hits. It's a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector is the name of the album. Uh, and, that's questionable let's uh, start there. yeah yeah from uh, anything from phil specter is questionable as we kind of know at this point but i actually like the the sort of you know motown production of it but this song has just always rubbed me the wrong way um and you know as an adult i realized that the song is actually just a kid noticing that his dad is dressed up as Santa Claus, you know, for some Christmas party or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't like it is it feels like the start of people trying to add sex appeal to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's like ranch on pizza. Like pizza is good enough. Don't. <laughs> Man, you're really swinging today. You're really offending a lot of people. <laughs> I put keep ranch for your wings. It's great. I had Wingstop yesterday for dinner. I dipped those wings in ranch, but it's like, I, it's just by trying to add sex appeal to Christmas, both sex and Christmas lose their individual appeal. <laughs> and so it's just like, oh, it's just gross. So I, I don't like it. And that is a theme that will return in my list. Uh, I'm sure our shrewd listeners have already guessed what song is coming down the pike for me. Um, but anyway, that is my number seven and your number eight. So then uh, I will do my number seven. Yeah, do it. Uh, and this is a song that my wife actually really likes, I believe. So sorry, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Uh, you looked at me sideways today in the car when I was playing this playlist to make sure it really was what I wanted. And speaking of family strife, ooh, this is. Wham! Last Christmas. And oh my gosh. It's so bad. And everybody I, loves this song. I would not say I love it, but I do enjoy it. But it's also because I don't work in the traditional retail environment that makes me listen to it, you know, 10 times a day and two is, hours or whatever it is. It is the antithesis of a Christmas song. It's depressing as heck. Yeah, yeah. And it gets more airplay than anything deserves. Even even the best music doesn't deserve the kind of airplay it gets come Christmas time. And oh, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just mopey and terrible, except it's got this really cool little bell thing during the bridge that everybody just, oh, that's Christmas. But he's talking about yeah. getting dumped. Like, come on. And how his yeah. heart will never be the same again. This is a terrible Christmas song, and everybody can just 
go ahead and at me. I don't care. I'll block you. You've got bad it's taste. Another, another thing that will pop up in my list that I think the song uh, apply, like the bracket this song falls into is don't get your sad in my Christmas either. Mm-hmm. No sex and no sad. Like well, and this song and this isn't just sad, is, it's depressing. It's it's real mopey. Like the energy of the music kind of belies how like just like sad sack it is. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. The very next the very day. The next day you, you threw it, it away. Yeah. Or yeah, tore it apart. Whatever it is. It doesn't even rhyme parts of it, which is really obnoxious. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I actually kind of like that song, but it the way it gets pushed on everybody <laughs> makes it kind of hateable. Yeah. All right. So we're up to number six. What do you got for number six, man? Okay. Number six, uh, the chipmunk song, Christmas don't be late by Alvin and the chipmunks. Um, yeah, I, there, there needs to be a word for the, the phenomenon I've kind of described as that, like panicked, like shopping at Christmas nobody's happy but everybody's trying to be pretend to be happy this is another tune that like that has that energy for me and it it seems like engineered to -hmm. cause anxiety Mm -hmm. like i don't know if it's the the high-pitched vocals or the sort of like lilting waltz like dorky 70 when was this recorded even like the 60s or 70s it was in the 60s yeah like novelty 60s music energy um it's just awful and what what's sad is like i like a lot of kids got super excited about chipmunk tunes i I can remember asking dad to like turn it up on the radio or play it or whatever and he obliged because he's a a saint and a great human being (laughs) Uh, but I am sure that he was very happy once I hit middle school or high school or whenever I aged out of this. Um, and it's got more of the like spoken word skit stuff mm-hmm. in it too, which just is a no, no for me in general. Yeah. It's I almost like a music video that they yeah. just cut straight to tape. Yeah. And for me, uh, kind of the flip side of that, and I have to give credit to Tiffany cause she sent this to me, uh, on my list originally and is now an honorable mention because it's too close is the chipmunks roasting on an open fire, which is uh, Bob oh. Rivers singing about eating chipmunks. And oh. so it has a lot of the same elements and the same kind of sound to it and the chipmunks running away and trying to escape. But him talking about how great hot sauce tastes when it drips off their toes. <laughs> like it's a really messed up song. You you've got a lot of uh, hillbilly energy in some of these songs. I, I, think, I think that's too. probably, a and good, that was an honorable well, mention. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I think that is something to keep in mind that maybe maybe hillbillies should. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say hillbillies shouldn't separate or celebrate Christmas, but uh, may, maybe I just said that. So. We'll, <laughs> Don't, don't at me from the Appalachians. So that was your number six. Uh, my number six is, uh, it's really bad that you hear that this artist released a bad song, but John Denver, please, daddy, don't get drunk on Christmas Eve. Oh, talk about sad in Christmas. I had not heard of this 
until your list. And I was like, oh, this sounds bad. And it, it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. It is just not good in any way. I mean, first off, I, I don't know how this was recorded. I didn't even bother to do any research because I hate the song so much. But the guitar goes out of tune like halfway through the song. So it's like got a flexing mm. neck or something and they didn't bother to correct it. And so you've got John Denver singing over just this terrible guitar. Uh, and it's just, you know, a little boy begging his daddy not to get drunk because mommy's scared on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's like, who who released this or why did you release this? And it's on his album, Rocky Mountain Christmas. Like you'd think, and it's full of like other, like uplifting great tunes. And then there's this one, you know, smuggled in at like track nine on a, on a double play EP. EP. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Like I, I feel like, uh, I feel like maybe John Denver had some kind of awful, experience in uh in his life that caused him to write this song but well no because he didn't write it no he didn't we we don't even have to we don't have to lay the uh spec song and he picked it up it wasn't even a regular collaborator of his it was just yeah this is a cool tune let's throw it on the album oh yeah (laughs) yeah oof is right there's not there's not much to say about that. It's a swing and a miss from an otherwise really talented musician. Absolutely. Um, uh, so thank you, I guess, for <laughs> showing that to me. I thank don't you know. Thank you for showing us that you're human. Thanks for uh, warning me to keep away from this song. All right. Speaking of redneck hillbilly energy, Chris, what's your number five? So I, I don't I don't know if this this may be another case, kind of like with Frosty. Uh, where I'm just the bad guy here, but grandma got run over by a reindeer uh, by Elmo and Patsy. This song has always just bothered me. It's funny because it's been one of my favorites for a long time. Yeah, it's a lot of people's (laughs) favorites. And I don't know if maybe I just, my heart is like three sizes too small or something, but it, it just bothers me. And it's not so much that I take it seriously, but like, it's kind of a morbid world mm-hmm. that this song described. Uh, something that I didn't notice until today reading the lyrics. Uh, Grandma wanders out of the house, A, because she's had too much eggnog, but B, because she forgot to take her medicine. <laughs> so you have this like sickly alcoholic wandering out into the frozen wastelands of whatever place this song takes place in uh getting murderized by santa claus uh which is another theme that'll pop up in your list i think um and then everybody in the family is like glad yeah uh there's the line about grandpa playing cards with cousin mel and they decide to send all the presents back which that's kind of a funny part of that line or that song should we keep her presents or Send it back. Send it back. I think that's that's like the saving grace for me. But on top of all that, like this is another one where the melody just gets stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And that like you were talking about uh guitars being out of tune in that John Denver song. The 
the intro lick to this song mm-hmm. is like jingle bells, but it starts off in the wrong key and then like slides into the key of the rest of the song. And it, it works for what the song is trying to do, right? Like this really off kilter, mm-hmm. ridiculous tune, but man, like this song has always rubbed me the wrong way. I, I for sure like switch radio stations if it pops up on, uh, in the car when I'm driving around. When I was a kid driving to my grandparents' house, uh, and you know, in the back of our, you know, 86 Chevy celebrity station wagon, which no celebrities were driving celebrity station wagons. Like it was a cavalier sized station wagon. Mm. And, um, we had a cassette player in there and there was this random like mixtape of Christmas music and this song was on it. And so was Joe Diffie's 12 nights of redneck Christmas, which <laughs> they played back to back. And so I think it's just cause that's that tape flipped over and over so many times on those road trips that I have a softer spot for it, but I can totally see that it's terrible. Yeah. Honestly. Well, it's like poison, you know, if you take little tiny doses of poison every week or month or whatever, you become immune. Eventually it's palatable. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. You've developed an immunity to this terrible song. Well, what, what is your, are we on your number five? Yes, yes we are. Yeah. yeah. So, so what is your number I'm gonna five? I'm going to take the hate now from every believer and <laughs> tween and whatever, uh, whatever they're well, up to this now. Point, those. Those tweens are like in their twenties. That's what's crazy. Like getting married, getting yeah, so the gra- college yeah. grads and everything. Uh huh. So Justin Bieber's "Christmas Love." This is another one of those songs, kind of to your thing about the sexualization of Christmas and Justin Bieber. It's got this really terrible, like, faux island vibe. Like he's trying to get away for Christmas and be with the one he loves, and yeah, you know, just whatever. It's it's. Let's just, let's just put it this way. The album it's on is Under the Mistletoe, and every track on this album, I knew when we set this out that there was going to be one track from this album, and then it was a toss-up of which track would it be, because every track is terrible. He's, uh. he's not a good vocalist. He's not a good musician. He's way too breathy. He doesn't carry the song in any way. But people love him and love his music and more power to you. Like, don't yuck somebody's yum unless it comes to this song. And this is the worst song on the album. Uh, I listened to the whole album twice trying to find the one. And this is it. It has nothing to do with Christmas and just about sneaking off and being with the one you love and doing all sorts of raunchy stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, on on the day of Jesus's birth, okay? Yeah, we're we're probably gonna come off as prudes, but it it is just kind of like to me, this song commits the sin of being bland. Like oh, yeah. on top of um, on top of it, it is being, elevator Christmas music. Yeah, it re- it sounds like it should be playing over the speakers at HEB. I should be able to buy it for $10 at a royalty free site and put it on every one of my YouTube videos. Yeah. Like it's yeah, that bad. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Number four, man. What do you got for us? Okay. Number four, I have complained ad nauseum about get your sex out of my Christmas. And this song is the prime violator of that edict santa baby 
by Eartha Kitt, a.k.a. Yzma, Mm -hmm. from The Emperor's New Groove. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I, I, you know, everybody's heard this song. I've heard it a thousand times, unfortunately, on the radio. And it's one I usually skip, but I sat down to read the lyrics today. Um, And every verse is about something she wants. Mm -hmm. Like, on top of it being, you know, there's a lot of innuendo about Christmas and chimneys and whatever. Uh, But there's a very long list. She has a very long list of things that she wants. And I'm just going to blow down the list real quick. Um, A sable. I don't know what a sable is. It was a Mercury. Um, it was like a oh, big luxury Oh, it's car. a car. Yeah. Okay. Because she, she says she wants a Sable, uh, a 54 convertible, which a convertible what? Mm-hmm. You're giving Santa a lot of leeway there. A yacht, mm-hmm. the deed to a platinum mine, which is specific, which that's good. Like whenever I ask somebody what they want for Christmas, I want them to be specific. I couldn't get anybody the deed to a platinum mine, but at least I would a know. Photocopy. You could get a photocopy. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could go find like microfiche at the uh, <laughs> library. Um, she wants a duplex, which uh, the jury is out. Does she want to be a landlord and like rent out a duplex or does she want to just live in one? She wants checks, um, <laughs> which any bank will provide her. I don't know if anybody's told Eartha Kit this, but she can go get checks at her bank. Um, decorations from Tiffany's. Um, and my question is, why is your wife hanging out with such a spoiled brat? That's my uh, question. We'll ask Tiffany and we'll see what she says. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she wants a ring. She wants to marry Santa Claus. I don't think she's thought through how much work it is to be Mrs. Claus. I mean, oh. if you watch the like Rankin and Bass thing, she has to like get Santa in shape, which I think requires a lot of cooking because in the Rankin and Bass special, she's complaining about how thin Santa Claus is. Um, so Tiffany sent me a meme today. And it's, you know, Santa Claus flying away in the sleigh with the reindeer and the big present bag. And the meme said something to the effect of everybody talks about how great Santa Claus is, but everyone knows Mrs. Claus was the one getting that sleigh ready and packed and ready to go. Well, Santa spent 45 minutes pooping. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, on top of there being too much sex for a Christmas song. It's also a really um, kind of an unlikable mm-hmm. protagonist in that song. So that's my, that is the ax that I have ground against Santa baby. What about you? What is your number four? Oh man, this hurts to do uh, because we've talked a lot about liking the killers yeah. uh, and Brandon flowers and all the, the great things that he's done uh, musically, but don't shoot me Santa from their Christmas rock album is, is almost the worst Christmas song ever made. I just, I cannot even fathom it. It has all the pieces to be right musically. And then you've got just these ham fisted lyrics about uh, not wanting, you know, the fact that the protagonist of the song shot somebody and now Santa's got a bullet in his gun just for this person and is hunting him down. It's odd. It is super strange. I had never heard. I knew that the killers had a couple of Christmas songs or a Christmas EP. Um, but that is not the direction I expected this song to 
take. And also like with the going the extra mile of like two singers, mm-hmm. what, you know, uh, Brandon flowers being the protagonist, I guess. And then his nemesis, Satan, Santa, Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Santa, but with the N in the wrong place, like really very strange. And I'm not sure what, inspired Brandon flowers or what like brought this on, but it on top of being bad, it's just weird. The thing that just really blows my mind about it too, um, is you don't expect something like that to come from the killers or Brandon flowers. I mean, the name, the killers is kind of an oxymoron considering the music that they've done in the past. But then, you know, Brandon flowers is like all over this track in a way that, it should spell success and just a terrible misdirection in lyrics. But thankfully this is one that is kind of a deep cut. Like it does not get a whole lot of airplay. It doesn't get a lot of airtime. I found it kind of by accident, kind of to your point, I knew that the killers had some Christmas stuff out there. And one night I was perusing the killers catalog and was like, Oh, what's what what do they have for Christmas? And this was the one and only Christmas song I played of theirs was like, nope, shut it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a pretty low batting average. Zero out of one shots made. But I think I think the whole like Santa being a crazy murderer, that has to be like a taboo that people are interested in because there's but that that's episode. Belschnickel. That's not Santa. <laughs> Who? Belschnickel. I uh, Oh, is that the the deal from the office? It is, is the deal from the office, family? but it's a real thing. That's a German oh. folklore thing. Oh, is it somewhere somewhere along the lines of Krampus, right? Kind of, yeah. He, yeah. he comes and snatches up the bad children or whatever. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, there's that episode of Futurama where uh, Fry wants to celebrate Christmas and uh, everybody cowers and hides from Santa Claus because he's like a murderous robot, voiced by John Goodman, at least yes. in the first episode. Um, but yeah, that's a thing that people love, I guess, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of them. There's it's an episode really of bag. South Park with a psycho Santa. Uh, oh, that is just absolutely is. ridiculous, but you know, it's South Park. All right, Chris. Uh, so that was number four for me. Why don't you tell me what your number three on the list is? All right. We're getting, we're getting into the really good ones or by really good. I mean, really bad. Um, exceptional exceptional ones yeah except like outstanding in their field field. (laughs) they are outstanding (laughs) in their field um and probably no better example exists of doing something terribly really well is uh mary did you know by mark lowry all the uh christian kids in the house will know who mark lowry is the uh, famous Christian gospel singer slash um, comedian, comedian being in quotes. Um, This song is so dumb. Uh, Not only from a theological standpoint, um, because, you know, the the whole thrust of the song is, Mary, did you know that your baby boy was going to grow up and become Jesus? Um, and the Bible says that, that he, she knew like 
the angel came and told her and not to get on like my preaching soapbox, but on top of like being bad theologically, um, boy, the song is, is so cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Lowry wrote it during his time with the Gaithers when he was singing with the, the Gaither, family I don't know band. what they're, yeah, the Gaither family band. Um, and so it's just this really overwrought, dramatic, maudlin sort of tune that begs a really dumb question uh, and gets played. Like, it's it has to have been the most played, like, offering of music at every church service ever. And I shudder to think how many people have had to sit through, you know, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so belting the song out at the top of their lungs during the offertory or whatever. Um, The song has always rubbed me the wrong way (laughs) and it's just real dumb. It's one of those songs that was just ubiquitous when it came out. I mean, literally nonstop playing on the Christian radio station, nonstop playing in churches and for me, I wouldn't have noticed how terrible of a song it was if it hadn't received so much airtime. Like you start, mm-hmm. you hear that song start again and you hear that, that twirl that is at the very beginning of it. And you're like, Oh, here we go again. Like yeah. give me the strength to survive this. And you start <laughs> looking for things. And I remember I was a much less mature person in high school. Let's say that much. I remember making phony lyrics up for this song. So I had something to sing <laughs> while they were doing yeah. it in the, in the choir loft. Like, nah, I got my own way. Cause it's terrible. It's untenable. It I, I have a friend who is now a, uh, a friend from college who is now a pastor up in uh, Wisconsin, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he hated this song so much to the point where I would kind of go out of my way to play it and bring it up at Christmas time. What about we do that one tune, you know, the, the one with like, did Mary know or how was she feeling? (laughs) (laughs) And he would all like, he, it was one of those things. I'm sure you've had friends who've reacted this way to things. They just hate where he was just genuinely unhappy about the existence of this. And it's to the point now where people will tag him. Like I saw this morning, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and somebody tagged him in a post about like, Mary, did you know? I was like, Hey, do you, uh, you still hate this? And like, yeah, he still hates this. Um, <laughs> but you anyway, up any? nope. <laughs> nope. Well, I, I can agree with him though. I put it on my list. So what, your your number three actually kind of surprised me a little bit. Why don't you talk about it? Because I kind of like this song. All right. So it's not necessarily the version. This is another just, I hate the song in general, not necessarily the person who's singing it or the version of it. So on my playlist, I have Bing Crosby's rendition of The Little Drummer Boy. The Little Drummer Boy is the almost worst, I mean, top three to me, worst Christmas song ever. And if it weren't for two other songs, it would be at the top of the list in a heartbeat. It's a wow. song It's a song that has a really, I mean, it has a good beat to it. Now, don't get me long, like wrong. It has that quality that is fun to listen to. It's engaging to listen to. And you don't really get Mm -hmm. that much music that focuses on the drum line. So it is unique in that category. But the premise of 
an unsupervised child wandering around in the wilderness, playing a drum, walking up to a lady who's just had a baby and he's sleeping <laughs> and he plays a friggin' snare drum. I would have yeeted that kid halfway across the field back to Jericho. Like, yeah, no yeah. way. So the premise See, is, is terrible. The song is another one of those saccharine sweet, like the lyrics are just, wah, 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 wah. like, I don't want to, uh-huh. it sounds like the albatross from little mermaid trying to sing love music. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great analogy. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, have you seen the Rankin and Bass? stop motion special for the little drummer boy. Uh, no, I have not. I don't think I have. It, it commits, it, it commits the other sin of like making Christmas sad because <laughs> like you said, like a little boy wandering around, like just wandering into a, a, a stable playing his drums is bad enough. But in the, in the movie, they kind of give him the backstory of being like, uh, a war orphan basically so, who gets kidnapped by like gypsies and it's it's like really bad i did not research this so don't quote me but somewhere along the line i came up with the impression that this is a post-civil war song about a kid roughly who lost his entire unit so now he's wandering wow. around the woods you know Jeez. looking for his unit or whatever and that's where the the start of the song came so it's a really depressing premise from that standpoint too um like i said i didn't research it but that's the connotation i have always had for it which would make sense with the ranking of my christmas indeed yeah Yeah, that's real bad uh you know you share uh this opinion with none other than david bowie good for me i love david (laughs) bowie have you, so if you love David Bowie, check out, there's a version that he did. There was some sort of TV special where him and Bing Crosby were supposed to sing the song as a duet. Mm-hmm. And I think the story goes that David Bowie basically said, I am not singing the little drummer boy. And so they had to drum up, pun intended, something else for him to do. Mm-hmm. And so they wrote this, this other like half a song called peace on earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's this duet where David Bowie sings the song that they wrote and Bing Crosby sings little drummer boy. And the melodies kind of meet in the middle of the song for the bridge. And it's one of those, you know, like love your fellow man type mm-hmm. things. But Check it out. You might actually like that because for one thing, it's hilarious to hear David Bowie and Bing Crosby sing together. But for another thing, like it's a really good song. I, I think it's really good anyway. It didn't make it on any of my lists, but it's one I grew up hearing a lot and it, it might redeem the song for you at least a little bit. I think one of the reasons I hate this song so much is early on in life. I did a lot of time, um, you know, little basement recording studio with a group of people pay was okay. And it was cool to learn. Cause at the time I was more like a wiring tech, a gaffer, um, more like a best boy running back and forth between the control room and the studio and working on mic placement and getting the, the singers back in the right place. Uh, but one year, for some reason, the, the district that we were recording all these training tracks for uh, barbershop, quartets compete in 
like national competitions and then there's levels. Mm -hmm. So you can score, let's say 50 points if you perform this song perfectly. And then they start deducting from that song. But then this song over here is a level four song. It'll get you a hundred points if you can do it perfectly. And they start deducting Mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. Little drummer boy was like a 200 point song for them. Like it is so detailed and so intricate with the way Ah. the bass and the tenor and the, the, the the way they all kind of come together and make it work. But because that song is so technical and was like a 200 point song, we had to get the training track 100% spot perfect with Uh, these four singers. Yeah. yeah. And the, the bass singer is a phenomenal guy, but he was just really struggling that day. Like on a normal day, he could carry that song. Yeah. But I did no less than 300 takes of the baseline of the the barbershop version oh, of the drummer boy no. little drummer boy oh that's awful and i wanted to like gouge my eyes out <laughs> and that was kind of where my hate for this song started yeah. like when you really start analyzing a song you're like oh yeah here we go like let's dig into this one and why we don't like it yeah. so that was the birth of the hatred and it goes on today now that i'm a father and you don't wake a sleeping baby so no um, no and don't sad my christmas so yeah oh man oh man so this is another one of those things we're going to talk number two now we're towards the top of the list and you and i both have the same song for number two because it's that bad so why don't you take it from here because i'm obviously struggling (laughs) we'll see what you've got (laughs) okay uh number two (laughs) um, a song that i hope is on everyone's list of least favorite christmas songs the song Christmas shoes uh, yours your version is by a band called new song that i'd never heard i looked up just who seemed like the original person to record it <laughs> jason yeager whose name i had never heard and will probably never hear again uh this is the epitome of get your sad out of my freaking christmas um i remember when this song started playing on the radio more frequently, at least when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like, I, I feel like I have a memory of the song coming on and we all listened to it in the car and all of us, myself, my mom and dad, brother and sister and me being like really upset that somebody <laughs> had dared to make such an emotionally manipulative piece of trash like the song so the song is this disgruntled schmuck standing in a impossibly long line on christmas uh, eve on christmas eve one of your favorite activities standing in line mm-hmm. um and sees some kid who is like destitute tr- let's, let's and, be true tripped and fell out of a dickens novel i think the song describes his like clothing as being really shabby and he looks poor and he wants to buy a pair of shoes for his ailing on her deathbed mother in case she meets jesus tonight yeah and needs to be gussied up to meet jesus which it, it, like is such a just such a, a I don't know. To me, it's almost a little offensive. 
like that, like this mom on her deathbed was like, you know, I realize that I'm about to kick the can, but like some sweet kicks to meet our <laughs> Lord. Like I, that's just so that that kid would not just be at home with his mom spending every last minute with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he would waste money. And maybe this is my privilege speaking, but like, don't you need that money for food or something? Like, don't. But that's the thing. It wasn't his money. It was the charity of the it was cashier. The, the charity. The yeah. Shoes. Yeah. But Which, having worked still, in retail, I guarantee you that shrinkage wasn't reported. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, another reason not to like it. Um, but yeah, this song is just and it's another thing kind of like uh, Mary, did you know where they just wrote the music with all the like big swelling strings and bells and super sad, you know, it's probably in D minor, the saddest key uh, <laughs> of all. And it's, this song has always just inspired like disgust and rage within me. I, I don't know if there are any merits to the songs. I've never listened to it long enough to be like, Oh yeah, this song is actually really great. And I just didn't know it. Like it's a terrible song. So I had some pretty interesting early experiences with the song. I heard it on the radio or whatever and thought, oh, that's terrible. Um, And then going back to being highly involved in like technical productions and stage theater stuff, um, I was recruited to help out with a church doing a a theater play leading up into the between like Christmas and Thanksgiving holidays. And they had one of their members write a a musical play that ran two acts. So almost two hours uh, based on this song. And it was grating. It was three of the toughest months of my life to like, not just be openly insubordinate to the technical directors, (laughs) not be like making fun. Like this is another song I made my own lyrics to and kind of got myself in trouble at one point because I started missing cues because I wasn't remembering the correct lyrics for different like mic cues and different lighting cues and it's like I gotta behave like let's go but it was just terrible it was one of those things that just ingrained through overexposure just how bad it was and now I have like no, no offense to the to the people who were involved in it you know maybe the statute of limitations is expired but they weren't that good, which made it that much worse. So yeah, it yeah. just was a lot of suffering on my part. Yeah. Uh, and I am so glad that it made your list at number two. So I could put it on my list at number two and say, <laughs> we agree. Solidarity. Oh, man. It's, I almost put this at number one, but there's another song for my number one that I think is just for its absurdity belongs in that spot. Um, but yeah, Christmas shoes is just such a drag. Um, and the, the idea not stated explicitly, but tacitly is that if this woman had passed away without a good pair of shoes on straight to hell, straight to hell. Well, no, like first to Jesus so that Jesus could be like, Oh, you look like trash. This getup is not working for me. Like he's some sort of like fashion expert. And Mm -hmm. then like, presumably she gets cast down to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in the outer darkness. Like it's just such a dumb song. The reason I picked the new song version of the Christmas shoes is really in the 
bridge and then the ending leading to the outro, which it commits the sin of uh, bringing in like an all boys choir. And you've got this one, you know, child male voice talking about the or singing the last chorus of you know if mommy meets jesus tonight oh and, no and then you've got that chorus in the background just humming it up and doing it and it kind of fades out from there it's it's really off-putting and creepy like, anyhow oh man that's like an extra level see i just i went for the version i did because of the like schmaltz of the singer you you have to like listen to lame. the new song version it's yeah. not good it's not good at all i'll have to check it out absolutely well speaking of dumb songs let's talk about your number one the bottom of the barrel worst of the worst absolute garbage Frank and D Reynolds from always sunny in Philadelphia. Like what is it? Yeah. Okay. So this song is maybe the, the most egregious example of like well-meaning privileged people having no idea what they're talking about. The song, do they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid. <laughs> Your expression, uh, listeners, you can't see, but uh, Wood looks really exhausted by the existence of this song. So this song was one of those things, kind of like um, We Are the World or We Are the Children or whatever it was. Where pandering. pandering. So, yeah. Somebody thought, you know, uh, well-to-do white people need to feel like they're doing something good for the rest of the world. So why don't we make this song and people can listen to it and feel good about themselves. <laughs> so this song was supposed to, I think the profits of the song were supposed to go to some sort of, um, some sort of charitable organization that did work in Africa. And I think if there's not an omnibus, an episode of the podcast, the omnibus, if there's not an episode directly about it, the hosts have talked about it a couple times because it's so bad. Um, but the lyrics seem written by people who have never been to Africa or know any Africans. <laughs> um, uh, I'll just, I'll read some of the lyrics cause there's a real, it's, uh, there's a real disconnect between like what they're trying to do and what they come off as saying. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's find a good place to get in here. Okay. Uh, so the song starts off about like, uh, Christmas is so nice. Uh, isn't Christmas lovely. And then it comes in, but say a prayer, pray for the other ones. At Christmas time, it's hard, but when you're having fun, there's a world outside your window, and it's a world of dread and fear, where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears, and the Christmas bells that ring there are the clanging chimes of doom. Well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you, and there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time. The greatest gift they'll get this year is life where nothing ever grows, nor rain, nor rivers flow. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? 
let's let's talk about one of those lines there that just like jumps out and grabs me like they're all yeah, terrible yeah but the one that grabs me is thank god it's them and not yeah. you like like oh, wow <laughs> what a piece of trash that's such, yeah that's such a terrible sentiment like hey could be worse could be us right but, but the other thing the other thing that kills me is the uh where nothing ever grows no rain nor rivers flow like that's just patently inaccurate like yes there are large swaths of de- desert in yeah, but africa the people don't but, live there like <laughs> yeah the, yeah the people live in other places like it was called the fertile crescent for a reason not to mention the fact like do they know it's christmas well, like december 25th yeah. yeah but there are people in africa who don't celebrate christmas and that's fine. It's not because there's no snow to clue them in on the fact like, oh, snow, it must be Christmas time. Like, yeah, if, it was, sure if that, that was the giveaway, we'd be celebrating Christmas in March last year. And then it would have been 20 years between Christmases. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. It's just so in, in, insane. The idea it's one of those things that like well-meaning people who are just ignorant about it, just assume like. Oh, all the poor, miserable people in Africa. Like, no, it, it's, it's a country or a country. I'm, now I sound like an ignorant idiot. It's a continent full of countries, some of which are full of people that are prospering and some of which aren't. Like, it's a chunk of the world full of human beings. And so the fact that this song is like, oh, look at us. We're so charitable. Charitable. We're going to, we're going to write this song. And, and I think that this song wound up not doing any good for anybody. Cause I, I don't, I think the story of it being kind of a financial debacle is, is well-documented. I didn't do any research cause that's not what this podcast is about, but it's just, it's a song that cracks me up for how insane it is and really just like misses the mark on every level. Also the, the like music is not very good. It's just kind of eighties new wave garbage yeah well but anyway i've kind of uh waxed ad nauseum about uh, uh, uh about do they know it's christmas um and i think the answer is yes the people who care about christmas know they know it's christmas so why don't you tell me about your because you've been excited about your number oh. one I put it on the uh, yeah, list I, back in August. I want to I want to hear your take because uh I got to say I kind of like this song. So, so here's I want the deal. To know. I'm not going to give away the song just now. I will say the song by X artist is a good song. My problem is the song by Mariah Carey is a uh, terrible song. And that is all I want for Christmas is you. You and, gave it away when you said Mariah Carey. Yeah, I'm well, sure everybody everybody cheered and got out their torches and pitchforks. Well, and I'm surprised that you kind of like it because it's another one of those songs that sexes up Christmas. So, it, yeah, no, nah, don't don't waffle now. Like uh, here, I'm bringing the I, hate here on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I mean the uh, the point of this episode is to air our grievances. Yes, I guess. Uh, I guess this is one where for me the melody and the music is actually good and it's just the the lyrics that are kind of dorky 
the um, lyrics. But what you you talk about it because I I we're not here to celebrate this song. We're here to trash it. So what's your 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 reasoning here? So for me, the thing that just does not work for me, and I I hate to say this, but I just don't like Mar- Mariah Carey's voice. It feels yeah. like she's a freight train out of control going full speed towards a TNT factory at all yeah. given times. Yeah. Like, you know, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Like she just doesn't seem like she's in control. And that has been like repeatedly proven through failed live performances of this song. I've sent you a few of them because it makes me giggle like a school kid. Uh, when They're I see her, just, it's horrible. It's like, how did she, there's, there's no amount of auto tune that could have corrected that in the recording process. Yeah. So she had to have had the ability to sing it at some point. Uh huh. But there's a certain, um, there's a certain maturity to an artist saying, you know what? That was something I did. 30 years ago and I don't do it anymore because I just, I can't do it justice, but it keeps making her money and she keeps getting out there on the parade floats and trying to sing it. And short of lip singing to the CD you could buy in the store, she can't do it. Um, I feel like she's one of those nineties and early two thousands artists that got away with just showcasing range and not actually talent. Mm -hmm. So she can hit the notes, but she's not really talented. She's not an arranger. She's not a musician. She, she's borderline, not a good singer in general. It's just the fact that she can hit those notes or could hit those notes. And so it just, it's really off putting to me. It's, it's kind of like when you see something that's obviously Photoshopped or obviously faked, like I know that that's not the real version of Mariah Carey doing that. And that frustrates the dog out of me Uh, (laughs) on top of that. It's like everybody's favorite song. I had a no joke, 30 minute conversation with my sister Zoe today because she loves this song. And I told her that if she would record a voice memo in her closet about why the song is so great, I would drop it right here. We'll see if she does it. If not, I stand unopposed. It's a terrible song and we can move on. Yeah, I, you know, I, I gotta say this is because actually Megan and I were talking about this uh, last week uh, or at some point this week, maybe when we were driving around, it's one that both Megan and I like that we know like gets played into the ground and mm-hmm. that people just hate. Um but to the point, the to the point of her voice, like it's one of those things. There, so when I was in college, one of my music uh, music theory professors uh, had a nickname for Franz Liszt. Mm-hmm. Franz Liszt, famous virtuosic piano player, who had really large hands and wrote really complex, high speed, low drag, as my dad would say, music. Uh, and the nickname for Franz Liszt, uh, or the like slogan that got passed around with him was flash and trash. <laughs> so Mariah Carey has a lot of really, uh, obviously she's got the range, you know, everybody on TikTok who thinks it can sing is doing whistle tone videos. Nobody wants to hear your whistle tone videos, especially not my dogs. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. 
Um, but she really is a talented singer in as much as she has technical ability. Mm-hmm. But she has your no point heart. Of, it's not real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that's not that is the problem is that the the music and now we're just like shaking our angry fists at the Mariah Carey shaped cloud in the sky. But uh, <laughs> you know, like it that kind of performance gets really old really fast. And it's it's one of those things where especially in the on those parade floats in really cold weather. Like your vocal cords are all constricted. You're not going to be able to pull off mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yep. And uh, and to your point of having to hear this every time she's on a parade float during the Christmas parade or whatever, you know, it it gets old real fast. I was um, I was in Target for two hours today with Zoe and Tiffany. I heard this song three times in two hours. <laughs> three, three times in two hours means like one and a half plays on the hour or something like that. Right. Exactly. It was unbearable. Yeah. And we heard it at Walmart like an hour later. So, but I only heard it. We were only there for a little while. So I didn't, you know, Uh, I started tuning it out after a while. Yeah. It's uh, what I will say that this song does do one of my favorite musical like tricks, which is the minor four, Mm -hmm. uh, the four, the fourth chord in any major scale is usually major. And when bands like the Beatles and Mariah Carey make the four minor, I am a sucker for that. Um, but yeah, this song, it's got to be at the top of almost everyone's list who's listening. Uh, I think my wife and I and your sister Zoe may be the only people that get excited when it comes on the radio and we'll just have to like rock out in our cars by ourselves. No, we're clearly, I'm clearly in the minority cause it's still getting that kind of play time, especially at places like target where, you know, they're like workshopping. What do the audiences want to listen to? Let's play yeah. the same song again. Yeah, again. It, it turns, it turns into the, the, the family guy cantina band. <laughs> same song um but but i will say mariah's mariah carey's target demographic is is probably like white girls and we all know that target is is white girl central so well but by now that demographic is white girls in their 40s yeah white moms which is only only kind of more more solidifies (laughs) the songs uh presence at the top of the charts at christmas time very cool chris i think we've done it to this list what do you think any uh honorable I mentions you want to make dis uh, no i you know i don't have any dishonorable mentions. well no that's not true i do have one so we talked uh last episode about our absolute favorite christmas carols and you mentioned oh come all you faithful which is a fantastic song but i do have to bring up that when I was typing out my first iteration of this list, Adeste Fidelis was on there as sung by Nat King Cole and Bing Crosby because they cannot pronounce Latin to save their lives. Um, and, and I'll throw O Tannenbaum up there because they uh, neither of them can speak German very well either. Uh, and so those are my dishonorable mentions are speaking a language badly because that, that always rubs me the wrong way. 
We've talked about it in other episodes of the show, and I firmly agree with you. Uh, for a moment there, I was starting to clench up and get ready to fight when you said Adeste Fidelis was on your list. But then you mentioned that it was because of the artist, and I was okay then. Like, okay, I get it. Because yeah. I no, really I feel strongly for Adeste Fidelis. Sing it in English. Uh, or you <laughs> or know, learn how to it. sing it in Latin for real. Yeah, exactly. Bing Crosby exactly. it. <laughs> and, and with O. Tannenbaum especially, it gets so... Like, oh, it just sounds bad hearing somebody butcher a language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how much of that is them butchering a language to make it fit the music as they want to play it or perform it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably a, a big part of it is you know, you're trying to fit you're trying to fit German or Latin into this like pseudo jazz big band easy listening style. It just doesn't fit. You know, whenever you hear like some British choir boys singing "O Come All Ye Faithful," or you know, uh, a men's choir or something singing "O Tannenbaum," it sounds good. Uh, you know, the context is key with those songs. But those are my dishonorable mentions. Do you have anything that you were just like itching to put on this list that just didn't quite make the cut? Uh, there are a lot of things that I was itching to put on the list, but honestly, the one song that I was just like, eh, it got cut from this list and it doesn't even deserve a mention here because it's only got like 60,000 plays on, uh, on Spotify is some, uh, it's the Carol of the Bells, but it's a, a rap artist that I've got to pull up here, uh, that, <laughs> It's the Carol of the Bells, but it's Carol of the Cats. Um, and it's terrible. The The one line in it that repeats is, this is how I rap. Like, he rhymes everything with, this is how I rap. Um, oh, goodness. It's terrible. We know how you rap. We're listening to it. Yeah. You don't have to re. It's like the, the hype men that always say the name of the guy rapping. It's like, <laughs> we know. We bought the CD. We picked the song out. <laughs> Like we came here to listen to your uh, to your concert. Well, yeah, I am Mo Show is the name of the song, and it's been played fifty thousand times. Uh, mm-hmm. It is terrible. Uh, well, it was. I'll have to check it out and give it a hate listen or two. Perfect, because I'm, I'm you've piqued my curiosity. All right, well, let's move on to uh, figuring out what we're doing next week. Go uh, knock on the Oracle's door, why don't you? Well, I did, and she is still in uh, Buenos Aires preparing for a New Year's celebration. So I think we are still off the hook. We can do what we want. So what are we going to do this next episode? So um, hmm. I think it would be fun, actually, to take next week's episode and look at the music that impacted 2021 and kind of do a year in review uh, for us and kind of the gloves are off. There's no rules. There's a couple of tracks that I have in mind that I want to bring up uh, that weren't on the show at all. There are a couple of albums that were a part of the show that I'd like to kind of revisit a little bit and talk through. Uh, How does that sound to you? That sounds fantastic. Awesome, man. I am. I am all down for talking about music. Hey, no, no greater time than at the end of the year. We've had a pretty decent new music year this year, so it'll be fun to see what you bring to the table. 
We've had a pretty awesome new music year this year, so it'll be fun to see what you bring to the table. Folks, thank you so much for listening to our show. If you've been enjoying it, please rate it and review it on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, we will read your comments and your ratings and reviews on the air. If you send us a, uh, a voice recording, uh, we'll probably include that too, if it uh, fits in with a show that we've got going on. Chris, take it home. Absolutely, guys. If you want to send us that uh, that voice recording or an email or a comment or a question or what have you, you can always reach us at two dudes and tunes at gmail.com. And don't forget to hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, let us know which Christmas songs you hate. Or if you love the ones that we hated on, send us, you know, an angry screed about why we're wrong. Um you're probably wrong, but you know we'll take your, we'll take it under advisement, uh, as they say. Um, and uh, y'all don't forget to tune in next week where we kind of give our end of year wrap up. But for now, you guys have a merry Christmas and a happy New Year. Take care.
Thank you. 